Welcome to the Connections Healthy Gambling and Gaming Podcast. My name is Tana Russell, Assistant Director with the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling. This episode is a little bit different. We are playing a recording from an ECPG Live event that happened this aired live May 14th, 2020. And it is called The Pros and Cons of Telemental Health. And I thought, you know, this is still really relevant and timely. The difference being now we have way more providers who have taken on telemental health services uh, in our field than we did in May 2020, which is great. And so our guest in this episode, his name is William Castillo. He uh, specializes in mental health and substance addiction and gambling. And he had been doing telemental health counseling services for quite a while before the pandemic, which is why he was on this episode talking about it. And he gets really candid sharing about the pros and cons of, you know, there, there's good sides and there's downsides, right? If you need to talk about your spouse while you're online with your counselor and your spouse is uh, listening closely in the next room, that might be rather difficult for you. But uh, there's definitely some benefits to it. And it, it does seem like telemental health services and the increased access we have had to that is not going to go anywhere. So if you are a provider and considering doing that, I hope that this gives you some information to help you make decisions on incorporating that. If you are a help seeker and you're thinking you might want some help, but don't want to uh, have to leave your house to do that, or you have some limitations or, or want to take some safety precautions and are wondering if this would or would not be a good fit for you. I hope that this uh, helps you to make that decision because he just talks about uh, what it's like to be doing counseling either by phone or, or internet, you know, and, and how secure is it? And what are some of the good things you can do that you can't do when someone has to come into the office. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to the uh, guest of the episode. You'll hear me talking in the background as well um, when this aired. I hope it's helpful to you. Hello. Welcome, everyone. You are tuned in to ECPG Live. And our topic today is the pros and cons of telemental health services. My name is Tana Russell. I am the Assistant Director with the Evergreen Council on Problem Gambling, and I'm very excited to have William Castillo joining me today. I needed someone with a bit of some expertise on this area, so I'm excited he's here. Do you want to tell him a bit about yourself? Well, first of all, thank you, Ms. Russell, for inviting me to this event, and uh, thanks to ACPG for hosting it, and Shout out to Mr. Maya for putting it all together. He's behind the scenes. Uh, name's William Castillo. Been in the business for 20 plus years. Uh, done several uh, jobs from intervention specialist, uh, chemical dependent professional, uh, now a licensed mental counselor, and then uh, for the last couple of years, probably gambling counseling. Uh, have my own practice, uh, Westwood Counseling Services in Seattle, and I provide uh, gambling counseling at Coastal Treatment Services in Bellevue. Thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, you might be answering a lot of our, our questions today for me. 
So first I have a couple notes I wanted to cover real quick before we get started and tell you all how this will work. Uh, we went back and forth about calling this telebehavioral health or telemental health counseling. Use whichever phrase makes you feel most comfortable. Doesn't matter to us. We went with telemental health because it's a little bit more common verbiage, but really either is appropriate for, for today's uh, purposes. So how this will work is Rob, who's behind the scenes, is going to post at the can I do this bottom of your screen? A question, some food for thought. So this is very interactive. You'll be hearing from us through the video and you will comment on the chat, whichever side of your screen that it's on. So you can respond to the questions. Rob is going to be combing through those, those comments for us that you put in. And you may see some of your comments appear at the bottom of the screen as well. So we can have kind of a discussion with you about what you've posted. Please feel free to give a shout out to each other, introduce yourselves, tell us what city you're tuning in from. Uh, so you can comment to us or each other, answer the questions, any of that. Uh, just a quick disclaimer, this live streaming is not a confidential platform. So as we talk about experiences using telemental health services, just keep in mind to share your own information and not something that may be confidential or that belongs to someone else. So you can share your experiences either as a consumer or provider, just be sure that if you don't want someone to read it, don't put it out there because it's not a confidential place. Uh, but we really look forward to hearing from you and you guys sharing with each other and maybe learning some tips, some tricks, also, we do have a blog on this topic posted already on our website. You'll see it at the bottom of the screen. We have pre-selected some resources for you. They are on that blog already. If any of you add some other resources for us, we may add those to the blog as well after this. So just double check that for some resources for you. Um, and my last note is, uh, HCA, BBHR has uh, invested some efforts into helping providers get connected with the ability to provide telemental health services through laptops and Zoom licenses. So that resource is on the blog for you. And they may be tuning in, so you might hear them post in the comments with us. So with that, I think we're ready to get started. Rob, if you want to post the first question for us. Is there anything about telebehavioral health or telemental health that stresses you out or that you absolutely love? So, William, do you want to give us your take on that first? Get us started. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Uh, stresses me out. Uh, well, I guess not knowing where the clients may be, uh, if they are in a confidential, safe place where uh, our conversations are going to be private, uh, that's a little stressful. Uh, you mean like far, if they're at home and someone else might be in their house with them or something? Yeah, well, I, I think one of my concerns is that, uh, let's say the significant other or the family members are there. Uh, they might not be able to be as uh, open uh, with their information as uh, we are when we do an individual counseling session at the office uh, where they feel comfortable and they could talk about whatever and they could mention uh specific information uh, at home doing telehealth or it's not as uh, conducive to 
be talking about the SO when they're there. And, you know, we don't want to create conflict that we cannot uh, somehow manage in, uh, through telehealth. So that, that, that be, that, that's stressful sometimes. And, and again, the confidentiality part. Especially if they want to tell you about one of those family family members that's there, right? Well, yeah, there's the, <laughs> they are. You know, the, the the ear might be to the door trying to hear. Well, he's talking about me or she's talking about me. So <laughs> that sometimes can be stressful. Uh, as far as our uh, liking, uh, you know that the fact that we still maintain continuity, the fact that we still maintain contact, that's the fact that we still connect. Uh, they are not as uh, some of the resources have diminished, like GA meetings are sometimes non-existent or they cannot go online and do it or they don't feel as comfortable to doing it online. So the fact that we're still able to connect and provide the, the services is, uh, is something I really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so we had a question come in. Mm -hmm. Might've been from Maureen or, or Kathy, because they're tuning in as well. So. Okay. well <laughs> Will telebehavioral health options continue once social distancing is relaxed? Is it temporary for gambling counseling or is it here to stay? What do you think? Hmm. I think that depending on the client, I, mean, I think some clients prefer it. Uh, uh, as far as like temporary or is it here to stay? I think there's a new world we live in and we have to learn how to do this uh, in a better way that is more concise and more uh, private. Uh, I think this is here to stay, personally. Uh, honestly, we don't know how long this uh, situation is gonna go along. I mean, they're talking about multiple waves coming, so this might be here for a while. It might, and I've been wondering about for facilities and providers that are doing group sessions using virtual systems, and this, when we finally get to the days where we're not living under this pandemic and things can go back to some level of a normal, we might end up having a completely new normal. Will there be a mixed in-person virtual group? If someone can't make it to group, but they can sign in virtually, will that be allowed? Like, there's just a lot to, to work out with this. And, and would that change confidentiality forms they need to sign? So it... It's interesting to think about how we might try to keep it up or go back to the way things were or try to do some mixture of both. I don't know. Yeah, I think some mixture might be in the cars because, uh, again, it's uh, it's challenging. Also, this allows clients to always be on time. Uh, so there's <laughs> never that travel restriction of them not showing up. And uh, it keeps them accountable and it keeps it available. So, yeah. I've heard some say that, um, I was talking to someone today on the phone, actually, who said that they have more clients showing up on time virtually than they did in person. Yeah, well, Which most of them are right. home. Yeah, I <laughs> most mean, of them are home. There's yeah. no traffic, it's a beautiful thing. So part of <laughs> it is, uh, they also enjoy the process because, you know, some of them, again, uh, not everybody's as technologically savvy. So that's another drawback that, you know, the the, their equipment might not be up to, you know, standards to do it efficiently. However, uh, most people have a smartphone, a tablet, or a computer accessible. So it always makes it that in some level we can reach them at all times. Right. So 
let's see, Maureen asks if it, if it might uh, reduce barriers to seeking treatment, what sorts of barriers? I could see, well, for individual sessions or, or in private practice, et cetera, I could see a lot of barriers being reduced in regards to lack of childcare or transportation or out of gas, et cetera. I'm wondering if for group treatment, it, it might reduce barriers if let's say there's a group that is completely virtual once a week. And some people could come to, you know, a couple groups in person and one virtual and everybody just signs in for it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I have not been doing any groups at the moment. Uh, pretty sure that that's something that eventually we're going to have to uh, take into consideration. But uh, I've been doing mostly individuals and couples and significant other uh, sessions. Nice. Um, Roxanne, hello, Roxanne. We're glad you're tuning in. Uh, we, we love getting to work closely with her. And she says, we'll definitely be focusing on how we can continue to promote telehealth as an option for problem gambling treatment. It will allow us to expand access to care if geography isn't an issue. Excellent. And of course, as we know, geography is an issue right now for a, a lot of people who live central part of the state and, and some to the east. There's just more providers along the I-5 corridor than anywhere else. So it'll be nice if that can reduce that barrier for some. Absolutely. That will be yeah. something that they will welcome. Yeah. Uh, Rob, you want to put up the next question? And just a reminder to viewers, you can comment at any time on any topic. The questions we'll post are both for, uh, they're just for general discussion for William and for the audience. So just keep posting. Um, how does it feel to be providing or receiving counseling services by phone or internet? So how does it feel as a provider doing services that way? You know, as a provider, it's, uh, it's mixed feelings, I will say. I mean, there's some clients that uh, you know that they're doing well because of prior interaction. Uh, it's a little bit limited if we do in... Uh, for example, an evaluation, that's challenging because it's like you have to do a whole evaluation and that might take uh, a little bit more time. Uh, for me, I like to see my clients. I like to, you know, kind of like be in the room with them because I'm able to use my senses to kind of feel more uh, what their experience is or have they been smoking or drinking or they're under the influence of some kind of chemical, uh, which uh, online... Online, they could have a beer in their hand while they're talking to you, so we don't know. Uh, so it makes it a little bit limiting on that way. Uh, however, in the accessibility is, is a plus. Uh, you know, they could be, you know, being distant and at the beach if, if they want, or uh, they could find a room in their house or a spot in somewhere private and uh, be able to do the session. So, kind of like mixed feelings. I mean. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm old school. I like to do it in person, but we have to adapt to the times. And if this way was needed, this is what we do until things get back to whatever normal is. Right. I heard someone mention that experiential learning is really inhibited through telemental health counseling, right? Uh, I suppose you, you could still do the mindfulness, some deep breathing, that kind of thing, even through 
a virtual experience, but it just dawned on me when you said someone could be on the beach even doing their counseling, that could be the experimental learning as part of the therapy, right? To get outdoors, be in nature, just using their phone and doing their therapy and practicing. Oh, God, I guess Miss Russell froze for a minute, so... Uh, Mindfulness, I can, wow, I, I can yes. still hear you. Okay. There we go. We there might have a little technical here. Sorry, people. <laughs> it happens. You just go with the flow and you're working. Some of the challenges. Home. There you go. That's what some of the challenges <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, all right. Uh, Rob, you want to bring up the next question for us? There's also a question here. We'd love to hear people's thoughts on the best way to let people know that telebehavioral health services are available. Oh, well, marketing. Uh, still letting people know who using, you know, uh, social media, uh, Facebook or Instagram or whatever is available to let people know. Word of mouth. Uh, we've been doing that at Coastal, trying to let people know, tell other people that we are here for them. We are available to contact us and you know, we could guide you through the process of how to stay connected and get the services you need. So, have you put it on your website? Uh, my website, I think, on mine's, I think I, I do. I think I did. Uh, included that I provide uh, telehealth services. Yes. That's yeah. It seems like that would be a good way as well. So when people are browsing, checking checking out someone's website, if they can see that it's on there. And, you know, people are actually, when they call me, they, they ask, are you providing telehealth services? And I'm like, absolutely. So people are also aware of the distancing and that uh, that's also available. And we Thank have, you. okay. Excellent. And we can add that link to our blog full of resources after this is over as well. We'll comb through the comments then and look for those resources. All right. Are there benefits or complications in regard to access to services, case management, insurance, sharing documents, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, some benefits you see on your screen there might be flexibility, reduced wait time, and better access. Some complications might be technology needed. Of course, not everybody has the equipment at home to do this. Uh, it's less personal or unable to sign documents. So, William, what are, what's your thoughts on some of those things? Well, as far as the access to services, again, if they have the proper technology, makes it easy, makes it simple. Uh, case management, I think that that part you know, a lot of it goes on email or if we do in our own uh, paperwork, I don't think that's as impacted. Uh, as far as insurance, uh, you know, I uh, that's always uh, depends. I guess insurances themselves, they feel pretty overwhelmed with everything that's going on. So sometimes there could be a delay on finding out about services or payments. Uh, Sharing documents, I think that's probably one of the hardest thing on sharing documents with clients uh, that are uh, sensitive or confidential. So that part mm -hmm. is a little tricky. If we need a release of information or we need to uh, do different things for the client, whether it's court uh, documents or uh, 
progress report for the different parties that are involved. Right. What do you do if you need a client to sign something? Well, we try to schedule it uh, in a time where there's minimum people at uh, the office. So for me, in my private practice, you know, it's just me. And I think I have like, in my office, I have like six feet of uh, distance uh, at Coastal because we have multiple counselors. We try to stagger the days, which a counselor comes in and does what they need to do with clients. So that's been working well. We have uh, sanitation stations. When you come in, everything is shielded. We all wear masks, so we're trying to stay as uh, safe as possible and also keep the safety for the clients. So if we need that, uh, we allow them to come in. And again, we'll pick a day where the try to space clients out so they don't run into each other. We have one entrance and one exit. So that also helps in the flow. Nice, nice. Um, and Maureen asks, what are the HIPAA issues around telebehavioral health? Are there some programs that are better than others? Well, again, it's going to be always the confidentiality. I mean, making sure that uh, nobody else has access or nobody else can hear uh, what we're discussing. Uh, as far as the, there's some programs, uh, the one I use is doxy.me, and that's HIPAA compliant. Uh, it's free to providers. Uh, it has a waiting room. Actually, it's pretty cool. Uh, check it out. Uh, I found it beneficial, and uh, some of us at Coastal are using the same uh, program. So we found it beneficial, and again, it, it keeps the confidentiality uh, safe, and then uh, it's easy to access, and it's also easy for the clients. Uh, you just send them an invite, and they are able to connect, and next thing you know, you're there. So I find that beneficial. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Does it allow you to do your case notes and things like that in the programmer as well, or is it specifically for, like we're doing now, just exchanging uh, the video call? Uh, it's just exchanging the video call. Uh, okay. At Coastal, we have a separate uh, program, Advanced MD, to do all our case management, our notes, and everything is uh, on another program. Very cool. I know some programs are kind of equipped for both. One counselor was telling me that the program they use allowed for a journal entry, and mm. that the client could choose to keep it private or share it with their therapist. So all they had to do is click a button and they could send their journal entry, entry straight to their therapist through the program. And I thought that okay. was really neat. That I mean, is that's cool. Use of technology that way. Um, okay. How confident do you feel about things staying confidential? I mean, I have to trust that my client is abiding by what we agreed. And uh, a lot of times, you know, I have good relationship with the clients I've been working uh, in the past. So that carries over into the telehealth process. Uh, you know, I just guide them through it. Like, let's make sure that, you know, you are in an isolated spot as much as you can, considering the situation. And, uh, you know, uh, I asked them if they could wear headphones, to wear headphones. So it keeps it a little bit less, uh, you know, they don't have to hear. Nobody hears what I have to say about the clients. So that might create a little bit more of a confidential uh, setting. Right. I was on a webinar the other day where they were talking about 
HIPAA under the current circumstances. And it sometimes, you know, it, it's, you just don't have the ability for a client to sign a confidential release of information form. So kind of the general info was, you know, leaning more on verbal confirmations, but document, 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 right? That the counselor has done everything they can to try to get a signature or can't, the client's giving a verbal, here's who it's going to, that kind of thing. And I thought that was, that was neat. The main idea was don't stop serving your clients, right? Absolutely, no, absolutely, your, and, you know. Do your work best you can, get them signed where you can, document verbal releases, things like that. I, I thought that was a neat, neat message yeah uh, uh, that's uh you know the, pro the progress knows even those are changing we have to be more specific with what we're doing and how we're doing it so yes yeah yeah absolutely and uh roxanne's sharing another link with us there and again we'll get that onto our blog of resources and uh William, I saw someone asked if you could share the name of that program that you use. If you want to type that in the comments real quick, then people can um, have see the name of that program. I don't know. Oh, with doxy.me, D-O-X-Y.me. Awesome. That's easy enough. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I like it. It's easy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that everybody's preference would be just to pick a program from the start that they already know is HIPAA compliant that's set up to be so. So you don't have to do the wondering or or resort to, to something you feel is less reliable. No, I think that's the main thing. Just make sure it's HIPAA compliant and that, you know, it's easy to access for yourself and the client. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Maureen says, I've used doxy.me with my own counselor and it works pretty well. That's awesome. Oh, and I thought I'd mention, I haven't done telemental health, but I did do telehealth services with a physician and it was awesome. Of course, I was not counseling, but it was right on my phone. He gave me the spiel of what makes the flu the flu, the cold the cold and COVID-19 COVID-19. <laughs> that speech a thousand times i'm like <laughs> you know <laughs> that alleviates anxiety right <laughs> right but it was it was great having access that fast and not having to wait in a room full of other sick people wondering if i'd catch something while waiting to see the doctor oh it was nice let's see what's our next question up how do family members respond to their loved one engaging in online counseling services? Uh, well, my experience is that family members are mostly on board. They just want to, the, the person or the client to receive the services and then remain in the engaged and remain connected and to continue working through the you know possible urges that they might be having. I mean, this is hard for a lot of people to be you know, home and there's uh, limited outlets that they have uh, to either go exercise or go walk or do different things. So, you know, some of them, uh, you know, I, uh, I've heard more people are feeling depressed or anxious or spending. And my understanding is that you're going to have another event and you're going to cover that. So I'll, I'll, you know, embellish on that a little bit more when we talk about, but uh, 
for the most part, the, the families are on board, uh, the active participants, some of them. Uh, so they are, you know, uh, happy that they're still getting some kind of uh, services. That's good to hear, because I, I had kind of been wondering if some family members would have a hard time saying, well, that's not real therapy, or you're not going to get better that way or something. But it's good to hear you, you've, you've seen more positive responses, that they're glad they're still seeking counseling and getting the help and, and that kind of thing. I, I hope that a lot of family members are very positive about their loved ones seeking counseling that way. Yeah, well, I think as long as they're getting some type of uh, resource, and again, for the continuity that they're doing it weekly or a couple of times a week, uh, again, it's hard for them to get out. Uh, GA meetings are limited or some people don't feel as comfortable doing it online. Uh, so the more we do what we do, the better uh, services and the better uh, the person gets to uh, continue their recovery. Right, right. Uh, do you feel that telehealth could help us work with family groups as well as individuals? How would you see uh, for, Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think I've done a couple. I actually, I have a couple of clients where we do uh, joint or family or couples counselings. Uh, they know it's just we got we have to be aware that we have to guide those counselling sessions in a different way because we're not there to break up arguments uh things can escalate so we have to be more aware of uh what kind of information how much do we you know allow for the the clients to to share and as long as we are aware and we set different uh rules and different uh parameters uh it's it's all doable it's all doable that is interesting to think about doing a family group are they normally they're all in the same home together when it's going on or are they are they in separate places and they're both signing on? I've had them both ways. Okay. Where they're like next to each other <laughs> into the screen and they're going back and forth or uh, they're in separate locations. So uh, yeah, it's always a different dynamic. Uh, but again, as long as, you know, I'm firm in setting up boundaries. So as long as you set boundaries and uh, you do it in a way that is uh, positive and it doesn't cause conflict, I feel good i mean in in my office i could push a little better because they're here and uh i just need to be more aware of like the dynamics uh, when we do it online i just feel like people might tend to be a little bit more on their best behavior when they're at their counselor's office as opposed to when they're in their own home on their couch yeah, you know, no, I... you're comfortable your guards down you might argue a little bit more so than you would on your in your counselor's office, maybe. You know, I find it, uh, it varies, uh, but I find them to things to escalate more when they're at my office for some reason. Uh, okay. So maybe because they feel more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when I have them online, again, maybe it's just the, the 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 session. I run it in a different way to make sure that those things don't happen where things might become physical and now we're over here and there's nothing we could do but call 911. <laughs> <It's> so- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's not how you want to see it. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I like oh, the peace. You have this clear boundaries, you have this work, etc. Oh, speaking, speaking of how 
how to do and not do a session, there is a really great YouTube video. We did put this in the blog, so it is on there. I encourage you to watch it. And it's made by uh, CAMH out of Canada. And it, it shows a bit of what not to do in video sessions. And some of it is, you know, don't be eating and drinking in the middle of <laughs> the therapy session. At one point he stands up and he's got like a suit jacket on and it's tucked into the back of like his board shorts. And Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Let's not do that. Let's not but, do that. Yeah, in there, in there, how to do it right. She talks about explaining uh, the boundaries and here's how this will go. And also here's what to do if you're in a crisis you know, and I'm here and you're there. If you're in a crisis, this is how we would handle it. So I, I just thought it was a really helpful video and that is in, in the resources of videos for people to see. Uh, what kinds of training would you like to have available to help counselors learn to use telehealth options in their practice? So there is some training available. Do you have a thought on what you would like to see? Me personally? Uh... Well, again, it's just that uh, they, they have to understand that they have to conduct the session in a way that it's not going to create feelings or emotions that you cannot control. I mean, when you're in your office, there's a certain level of like, I can push here or there because they're here and I could de-escalate. That may not be the, the case if they are home and, you know, the, the, especially on during a family or a significant other session. Uh, we have to be more aware of what kind of topics we bring to the to the table. So I, I guess mm -hmm. that I would like to have people understand better that you know you have to be more cautious on doing long distance uh, counseling than when you have them in your office. Yeah, be more more thoughtful. You can't do your. Sorry, I just dropped my notebook on my dog. Um... <laughs> That's one of the things not to do. Oh, <laughs> well, you know, your 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 team. You've done. You said you've been doing this practice for 20 years, so I'm sure you've got some rhythms you're very comfortable with. And when you go to telemental health, you have to create new routines and and new rhythms. Yes, absolutely. Again, it's different in person, you know, because again, you get to see the person, but again, you. When we do telehealth, we don't know. We don't know have they been drinking before we started the session. Have they been using any kind of substance? Or did they have an argument? Or how are they feeling with this? Like you know, it feels that the limitations that we have right now. So we have to you know kind of like go through all that. Uh, make them feel safe still. Make them feel still that uh you know we we are paying attention and that we are engaged uh and connected, which. It could be challenging doing it, you know, long distance. Nice, nice. And of course, Roxanne is sharing more resources. She just said that uh, of the gambling treatment providers contracted with HCA, many of them have actually increased their sessions during this time, which is okay. really cool. Yeah, yeah. So something's working. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, again, it's the lack of resources. I mean, if they don't have, uh, again, all the outlets, so we have to be there to pick up the slack. Yeah. How long have we been fighting to reduce barriers and then a pandemic kind of reduces a few for us? <laughs> That's all it took? Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> you know what? You, you learn and you find the blessings in, in the small things. 
Rob, did we have any last questions? We're about right on time. We can probably do one more. Any tips and tricks that you can share? And we've got uh, a few on the screen. Well, uh, for me, if I uh, I try to play like, hey, how you doing? Where are you? And, you know, kind of like have them tell me. I'm like, show me where you at. And if they have the ability to pick up their phone, tablet, or laptop and give me a 360, that that whole sometimes helps me like, okay, uh, I want to make sure, you know, if I see something that I shouldn't see like alcohol bottles or <laughs> pipes or paraphernalia. Uh, but uh, I use that. Uh, and I do the same thing. Hey, I'm here on my office. Check it out. This is how it is. So they feel a certain level of comfort. But sometimes just like they might forget that they left something behind or they left something around. And if you pick it up, then you could bring it into the conversation. So that's one of the things I do. You can become part of the therapy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's neat. Because in virtual, you might struggle to be able to read their body language maybe as well as you could in person, but you just made a good point. You can read their environment. Absolutely. If you've triggered your client via telehealth, what strategies do you have to de-escalate them? What a great question, Miss Noella Piquet. Piquet. Great question. Okay, you wanna go first? You want me to go? You go first. You're the you're the <laughs> expert here. Yeah, I'm learning from you. Okay, uh, well, I mean, hopefully by then I have built some kind of report and uh with the client and uh, we have gone over uh, the escalation exercises such as breathing exercises or you know i may have i may stop it i may stop it and say okay pause go for a walk and then let's get back to it uh whatever needs uh to be done at the time so it it's going to vary depending on how they feel uh if not i'll sit with them and we'll process it as we go so it all depends mm -hmm. on the emotion i mean if they get angry or if they i feel they're getting violent then of course, we have to take some other uh, precautions to make sure that no other family member or significant other gets injured. Uh, but for the most part, again, that's why I, I conduct it in a different way, just to make sure that I don't trigger emotions that I cannot control via the telehealth process. Yeah. You know what's neat about if you tell them, take a little walk, if they're on their phone, they can just walk right with you. Thank take you. Yeah. De-escalate yeah. while they're going. Uh, when I was doing uh, gambling treatment, I'd often tell them in the group, things we talk about might be triggering for you here. And we talk a little bit about trigger extinction and how they're bound to get triggered in life naturally, just because gambling cues and triggers are everywhere. So there really is no better place to be triggered than when you're in the room with your therapist. Right. That's the safest place to be triggered, right? And so right. we just talked about how let's practice handling how you want to respond to getting triggered here in session with the group or with me in the one-on-one, -on -one, whatever it is, uh, because it's going to happen when you're not in this place as well. And of course, the more they get triggered and do not go gamble or go use, now their brain has more memories of having that trigger emotion or sound or place or person or TV commercial, whatever, without gambling and can store that as, I'm good. I can be triggered. I can have a thought. I can have a craving, not engaged. 
and I'm okay. And gives Excellent. them more positive memories to replace the, the past ones. Well, and I think also if you establish that beforehand, knowing that you're going to do it long distance, like, okay, if you feel triggered, this right. is how we're going to handle that or let me know or as you start feeling a physical reaction, because then that's the other difference of not being in the room. You cannot always detect the, the physical reaction of them getting tense or getting, you know, biting their... Yeah, so we yeah. cannot always pick it up, but... I'll do it beforehand, so when it happens, we already have a plan in place. So I find that to be a, a good strategy and uh, it's successful for the most part. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot you kind of go over with the client in the beginning. And so I've also found it's good to repeat that along the way, because in, in those first couple sessions, they get bombarded with so much information. You know, not all of it can be retained. So reminding them this is how we respond to crisis or triggers. I'll ask you about suicide a lot and and kind of reminding them of some of those things too is good. And Roxanne's got another resource for us for telehealth tips from their website. Thank you again for that. And that's I think cool. that's, that's about good. all we have. Rob, was there anything else we're on our agenda? I think that's about it. So everyone, you can keep commenting and sharing comments, resources. If you need to reach out to us directly, please feel free to do so. Again, don't forget, you can check out our website. Rob, if you wanna put our website up there one more time for people, then you can get access to all the resources we've talked about. And the ones that have also come up in the feed, we'll try to get those on there soon. So check back for that. Okay. I think that Ms. Russell froze. So for me, thank you well. for listening and thank you for being a part of this. And thank you. I'm at your disposition. If anybody needs to reach me, you can re uh, contact Ms. Russell or the ACPG and uh, hit me up. I'm always open and available to talk about whatever. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for participating. Excellent. Right. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Stay safe and healthy. All right. See you later. <laughs>
blah, blah, blah. Okay, let me try this again. Julie, hi.